Welcome to the Intentionist Podcast, where we explore the interplay between intuition, spiritual health, and everything in between. I'm your host, Amy Schreiber. And I'm Hilary Zwallen. Our intention is to create a dialogue that inspires you to consciously forge your path with curiosity and compassion for life and its mysteries. And thanks for joining us today for our episode 56, where we're going to talk about the Four of Swords, which is our, uh, if you're joining us for the first time, this is our year-long tarot read for first, our creativity, and second, for kind of a collective reading. And then we're also talking about Taurus. I was informed by my stepdaughter that it is pronounced Taurus. Taurus. I was saying Taurus this whole time. Oh, I have been too. Yeah, she informed me that it's Taurus. She's a Taurus. Okay. I mean, that makes sense when you look at how it's spelled, a Taurus. No, well, there's a good A in there. So that's why I was saying Taurus this whole time. But I don't know. We should have a poll. How is it actually spelled? Taurus. I don't know. That's actually, (laughs) maybe we will do a poll on that. Join us on Instagram and we will do that later. Yeah. So why don't you get us started then? So the way these episodes typically go is we start by talking about all of the ways in which this card, the Four of Swords, which is the one we drew at the beginning of the year, as I mentioned before, is informing the, the collective energy right now and what we can learn from the archetypal information that the card brings. So if you're like, I'm not interested in tarot or this is weird. I don't know anything about it. This is a great way to just look at how these archetypal and mythological and, uh, what's it, what's the other word I'm looking for? Amy? Um, universal. Yes. yes, (laughs) These are universal themes. They're not like, they're not exclusive to people who only think the tarot is cool. This is just like, basic human stuff and we're just choosing the to use the tarot for its imagery because that's what we like to do because we like it great and then we're going to talk about everything you need to know about taurus taurus yes taurus taurus (laughs) Taurus. like like the bull taurus yeah ah okay got it all right so you want to take us into the four of swords amy Yes. So four of swords, like we talked about last month, swords are air element, which has to do with the mental realm. So last month, we kind of talked about how stepping back to get a different perspective is what leads to clarity and insight. It's not when you're deep in the throes of battle. So this four of swords card is along those lines as well. This sword has to do with all of the great R words that we love so much, like restore, relax, release, reflect, recuperate. There's so many good words about about the idea of just stepping back and taking a moment of peace after you've been engaged in some sort of struggle. And the fight is always going to be there when we decide to insert ourselves, but this card is really just a call to step back, retreat, and just regroup and recharge. And the biggest R word I think that I wanted to focus on in talking about this is the idea of respect for ourselves. When we take these moments that we all need so desperately from time to time to relax, like that just shows such an immense amount of love 
and respect for ourselves and kind of an honoring of like the cyclic wisdom of all this stuff. I love that. I also think when you when you think about the concept of respect and if you think about like showing yourself respect, you end up people who have a lot of self-respect are typically pretty respectful to other people too. So there's a right. Right, like you don't if someone who's like really dignified, they're not out there causing harm and throwing, you know, emotional grenades at other people. They're comfortable in their own skin because they they have their own self-respect and dignity. And so by taking time to do that, you're, it will radiate. Right. Yeah. It's this whole concept of nonviolence, I think, that teachers like Thich Nhat Khan talk really, really beautifully about. I was just reading this book called Ordinary Magic, um, which is kind of like a compilation of, of essays from different people. And there is a story in there from Thich Nhat Hanh about how he gave this glass of apple juice to this little girl and she didn't want to drink it because there was pulp in it and it was like all cloudy. And then the cup of juice sat on the counter for a second and she came back and the the juice was perfectly clear and she drank it and she thought it was delicious. And because the pulp just needed a second to settle to the bottom, and he was just talking about how that is exactly what our minds and our bodies need from time to time. Like, that is what gives us this clarity. And and with the, the swords and the air element, swords cut through illusions. And sometimes it's really painfully that it happens, like, to acquire this insight. But it doesn't have to be. Like, it can be as simple as, oh, I'm going to back up and take five breaths right now. And this is a real contrast to the kind of outward expansive motion of the spring season that we talked about in our spring episode. And it's a call to turn inward. And this is like the wintry, this is the wintry vibe. And I love, I have a a tarot deck that I've mentioned before called Prisma Visions. And each suit of that is associated with a season. So the the swords is this beautiful snowy scene that plays out. And, and thinking about this stuff seasonally and like the, with the cycles of, of the year, it's really important to remember that like these, these times of rest and activity, this is a daily thing too. This isn't just like a year, like the rest, or we can just call it showing love and respect to ourselves and like the needs of this human organism that we're living in. This is something that needs to happen every day. So it's not like it's so easy to to get caught up in the constant activity, especially that starts happening once it once the energy picks up and it's getting sunny and it's getting happy and springy. Um, it makes it a little more difficult to relax and and kind of fall into this mindset that we have to be productive every waking hour. Yes. And that's so, so exhausting, too. Just the thought that like I've got a tick, tick, tick. I wanted to interject here because I think it's yeah. really interesting that this is the topic um, because, you know, like we did this read at the beginning of the year and then we always do this and then we forget about what it was because there's so many mm-hmm. things that we draw on, whatever. Right. And so I've been seeing this kind of play out with myself in this and I've been pondering this exact idea because I've been doing this kundalini yoga practice, which is like a certain type of meditative yoga where it involves a lot of breathing and kind of like odd positions and like mantras and things that are, Mm -hmm. I I think it's really effective. And I've just been thinking that like every time I do it, it's almost, it feels like I've just hit the reset button. It's like when I'm done, I'm like, 
oh my gosh. Okay. So this is really where I'm just, I'm like hitting the button. I'm rebooting the system. Mm-hmm. And now all this, all the programs are running really well. And I've been prepping for this. I'm speaking at this tech con in Modesto here. My friend's doing a, a conference. And so I'm speaking about creativity and how to harness creativity and innovation in your business. And so I've been like kind of, you know, contemplating what, what is the topic and, and what I kept coming back to, and I, you know, I've known about this for like a month. And so I've been kind of offering it up in my meditations. Like, what is it? What is it? How am I going to bring this in? Like, what can I add to this conversation that maybe someone else couldn't add? Like, what's my special thing to focus on? And I'm trying to bring it from a place that isn't so linear. Like, let's do research right now and see what is they're saying <laughs> yeah. on Forbes. Like, like, no, like, what is it that I'm feeling that's coming up? And the thing that keeps coming up over and over and over for me is the idea of practice. Like you said, mm-hmm. this idea that it's, it's daily and it doesn't have to be hours and hours, but like there is a daily ritual, a daily honoring of the creative process. And for me, that's how I show myself love. But I, I see that if we, if who we are is all true creativity, like at our purest essence, right? Where energy, where energy creates, then for me really doing something that's creative every day. And to me, that's meditation and, or whatever it is, it can be anything, but that mm-hmm. is the devotion. That is the, that is the container. That is the practice. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because I came to the realization this weekend how miserably I've been failing in this area of my life lately because I used to be someone who is like an expert relaxer. Like I had no problem being like, I'm going to go do yoga for two hours and lock the door and then I'm going to take like a two hour bath. Like I did not have a problem doing that. But lately I realized this weekend I did like a yoga practice and I probably had my first real shavasana in weeks. I was like laying there and I was like, wait a minute this is new. Like this is, I haven't done this in a while. Like actually like let go and like try to have this moment of, of release instead of just thinking about all the things that I, I need to be doing and trying to make every little inch of my day super productive. Mm-hmm. It was, it just, it was really shocking to me actually to just see how far I fell into this, this mindset of, thinking that everything else is more important than my conscious relaxation time. So the four of swords has has shown up to remind you. Here we are. It has indeed. Yeah. In that same book, Thich Nhat Hanh, he went on and, and talked about the agitation that people feel sometimes when they are like always in the state of busyness and then they try to relax. Mm. And because it's the trying instead of just being and letting go, which are very different things. And, and there's a lot t- of the the should, like I should be able right. to relax right now. And now I'm not relaxing. So I'm mad. Right. It's like the whole, mm-hmm. it's like the whole concept of like when you can't fall asleep and you know about mm. insomnia mm. and like the more you try, the more like you're not able to. Mm-hmm. I liked what he said about this. He said, this resistance is born out of our very efforts to be peaceful. The effort itself becomes oppressive, but our thoughts and feelings flow like a river. If we try to stop the flow of the river, we will meet the resistance of the water. And so I just love that. I feel like the water <laughs> metaphors are about emotions and relaxation and like 
addressing the mind are just so great. I know we've talked about a lot of them, like in probably every episode I bring up something like this, mm-hmm. but I just think it's, it's so important to just recognize resist is the bad R word that we don't want <laughs> in this area. Like we want to release, we want to just be in this state of allowing and letting go. Like this is not the time to fight. And just one last quick note on the imagery of these four of swords cards. In both of the the cards that I was looking at and the weight rider, it has this knight who is, it's like a sculpture of a knight on a tomb. And there's three swords above him and one sword beneath him. And he's just like peaceful, dead sculpture <laughs> of a knight. And then the other one is this boy and there's three swords on the ground. And then he's like holding one sword up. And the, the three swords that are scattered are a symbol of the battles that you've already fought. Mm. Just a reminder that you've done enough for the moment and what is needed for you now is to recharge so that you can fight again. Like everything is going to be fine without our constant forceful striving. I love that. I love what Lao Tzu said, the quote that says, nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. Hmm. So just let it happen. Let it unfold. Has that been coming up for you this month, do you think? Yes. This reminder, Yes. Yes, it has been in, in, in a lot of ways in, especially in art, like I've been painting a lot this month and I felt like being able to kind of tap into a certain creative flow was much more, um, surrender like the normal. Like I, I was really, was just found myself in this state of really enjoying the process instead of like hurrying and rushing to like finish and like jump to the next thing and so Mm. I mean this is like what everyone (laughs) all the authorities that be talk about all the time that like yes you it's the journey not the destination right it's all the memes right it's like all the exactly every meme (laughs) every self-help meme actually internalize the memes you're like wait oh there's wisdom there instead of it just being trite yeah the cliche is actually true but yeah it was it was a nice it was a nice experience just to to realize and remember like oh it's definitely been for me this has been the biggest I feel like the, the other the last few months have been very unsettling and like very kind of like deep purging of like former belief systems (laughs) about all of this process. Like I've been working on my book and it's just been so hard. And then the last three or four weeks have been so good in terms of just, just general happiness and general flow. And I, I kept trying to think like, what has been the different behavioral pattern? And for me, this is why I went back to the whole practice thing that it really feels like that is the difference is, is there's been like a shift in my mindset, number one, which is to your point, just kind of allowing, just, just understanding that I can only do so much in the day and to Mm -hmm. not try to solve all the problems in the world, (laughs) which seems so obvious, (laughs) but it's also, you know, when you're kind of wanting to be a fixer, it's a hard thing. So anyway, it's definitely been up for me. So that leads us into our patient earthy sign Taurus. Yes. Tell us about it, Hillary. Okay. So I did some more research this month on Taurus and I used primarily the evolutionary astrology glossary as well as a few other books that I have around the house on astrology. So I will reference when I'm quoting from Jeffrey Wolf Green's works. So Taurus is a yin sign. It's fixed. It's an earth sign and it rules the second house 
which is ruled by Venus. So we're going to talk a lot about Venus. But before we do that, if you're a Taurus sun sign, then you are typically known for being grounded. Taurus energy centers us, it stabilizes us. So I guess before we get into Taurus, I want to remind everyone, go to Cafe Astrology or Cafe Astro and get your natal chart so that you can understand if you weren't born in the month of Taurus, you might have a lot of Taurus in your chart. And so it's important to see what planets are where and how much Taurus you have in your chart, because that can, all all of these values and these concepts can be applied to you depending on where, what planets are where in your chart. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And again, just like we were saying in the beginning with the tarot, like these are universal aspects and principles that we're talking about. Like these are characteristics that everyone has to some degree. And we are, we're just talking about it like through the lens of astrology right now. But again, you don't have to be in, into astrology to benefit from thinking about these types of ideas and, and how they show up for you in your life and to what degree. So yes. anyways, exactly. Thank you. And, um, and then we can also talk about right now we are in Taurus. We're just collectively, our earth energy is in Taurus right now. So, so these, these are the themes that we can, that are easily connected to right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so like I was saying, the shadow words are prostitution, poverty, suppressing emotion, shut down, stubborn, materialist, right? The positive words associated with it are survival, self-sufficiency, self as resource, personal worth, personal value, cautious, literal, preservation, beauty, and values. So last month we talked about Aries and in Aries we experience becoming, and it's the first sign of the, in, in the Zodiac mm-hmm. uh, wheel. So it's in the first house. And these are the types of desires associated with that, that lead to what we value. So what in Aries we experience becoming, and that turns into shaping where Taurus lies, which is the desires associated with that that leads to what we value. So Taurus rules our procreation instinct. It is very biological survival. So it's that's that earth part of it, right? That life must go on. It represents that self-sufficiency, self-containment, self-sustainment. So this and, is like the very practical sign, right? Yes, like- it, it really is. And if we were going to relate the zodiac chart to uh, of the phase of the moon, right? That the new phase is Aries and that's action, instinctual freedom. And it's, re- and that's, what's required to start the journey. Now we're, if we're in Taurus, then we're in the crescent phase of our hero's journey or of the hero's journey of the zodiac. And that's Taurus, the internalization of the new phase. It's the withdrawal. It's the struggle. So it was interesting when you were talking about the four of swords, because I thought, oh yes, this aligns exactly with what we were talking with, what Taurus invites us to do during this month, right? So, so we've begun our journey for, for the year or whatever it is that we are working on with our soul's journey. And now we've, we've become aware of what is, of what, where we want our becoming to go. And now we're internalizing the new phase and we might need to withdraw and experience the struggle a little bit to decide. And this is where we gain the feedback that has been obtained to, and the need to withdraw to come to an understanding of who we really are. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yes. So that's kind of how we can look at them as a, as a whole. So I want to talk really quickly about Venus because Venus is a really interesting planet. And if you go back into our archives, 
you can listen to the interview that we did with Tashi Powers, who's an evolutionary astrologer, and she wrote a whole book on Venus. And we talk a little bit about about this there, but Venus actually rules two signs and it's the only planet to do so. So Venus rules the second house, which is uh, the house that Taurus is in. And it also rules the seventh house, which is Libra. And so when Taurus gets too isolated, it begins a crisis in our lives and we need to feel the need to be with others. So the second house in Taurus is our relationship with self and the seventh house in Libra is our relationship with others. Okay. So Venus kind of has this split concept. I'm going to quote right here from Jeffrey Wolf Green's um, Pluto volume one. It says, when Taurus gets too isolated, it begins a crisis in our lives and we feel the need to be with others. When we get too close to others and begin to lose the sense of our own individuality, we feel the need to withdraw and reestablish the sense of our own self. And this is Taurus. Hmm. Yes. Again, with that balance of extending out, being with people, and then turning inward and being with yourself. Like this is something that shows up in all sorts of places because it's what we need. (laughs) It's like a necessary cycle that we go through. Well, and if you remember last month when we talked about Aries, it was the same type of thing, right? Where Aries was, you know, we're, we, we need absolute freedom to move mm-hmm. on to our becoming, but Aries also, because of the freedom, the polarity is that we have to learn how to master freedom within our interpersonal relationships. Like how do we yeah. balance that? And so this is one where, you know, in the second house, it correlates to our values and our sexual values. So Venus archetype correlates to our inner relationship with ourselves and the external relationships we form as a reflection of our inner relationship. Whatever this inner relationship is with ourselves will be pervasive in our lives. So this is an example of this is many of us are unconscious in how we view ourselves, right? Our basic feelings of self-worth values, we just kind of exist, right? We just go through our lives and we're not like, Oh, what is our, I mean, we, we talk about it all the time, right? You and I, (laughs) we talk about it all. This is like what our podcast is about. Right. But I think for most people, you know, we're not really considering like, what is my inner relationship to myself? We're just, we're more focused on like, why is my life not working? What is going on? What drama is showing up? So anyway, so this unconscious belief of how we view ourselves creates the lives that are lived unconsciously via projections, perceived needs desires, situations where we don't see that we've created this from the inside out, right? This is how we find ourselves in these unfulfilling jobs or abusive relationships or people's, you know, reactions and projections, right? And I'm not talking about if you're a child and you're being abused. I'm talking about when, when you've been in a relationship and I'm not saying that the person that, that being abused is your fault. But what I'm saying is if the, that, that if you are choosing to stay in the relationship over and over again, or you keep finding yourself in situations where someone is um, not treating you the way that you should, that you would like to be treated. And, and you're seeing this, like, why is it that every person eventually does this, that there is a nugget of wisdom in there about how you're relating to yourself and what you're, what you're willing to allow. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that goes back to the idea that people will value us exactly how much we value ourselves. 
Like it's right. that that is what you call in. And I think that's that's interesting. I had no idea that Taurus was all about the Venus stuff, all the relationship and the sensuality. And that's I didn't know that either until I studied this stuff today. I've been like thinking about Venus nonstop this month because of the painting that I did. That's was one of the major themes about it. So Anyway, this is cool. Very cool. Yes. So, so I'm quoting here. This the need is to learn to identify what our specific needs are within our relationships and meet those needs from within ourselves in order to attract relationships that are balanced, equal, and based on mutual independence. And this is where I wanted to to share kind of a challenging law of attraction type of example. Like I'm I'm using law of attraction like in quotes because I think that evolutionary astrology kind of rolls like th- that thought that breed of thinking uh, kind of rolls their eyes at the law of attraction stuff. I think when I was reading about the perspective on law of attraction, it was more like that the law of attraction concepts are rooted in a lot of patriarchal stuff like where like if you don't if you're not believing it right, then you're not attracting the right thing and it's your fault. Does that make sense? So they don't believe that. That's like, that's a belief that that they kind of debunk. But I use that because I feel like a lot of people know what the law of attraction is. So here's the example. He's, he goes on to say this. If I have subconscious assumptions that I don't deserve to be treated equally in relationships, to be treated with respect and love, or that I don't even deserve to be able to meet my own needs, which is to survive in a manner that reflects who I am, what does that say about my inner relationship? I think many people are operating under the duress of negative relationships with themselves. In this type of extrovert society, there's practically zero emphasis on the inner relationship. Even most of the quote-unquote creative visualization has as its focus the kind of presto magic of getting something you want versus seeing the underlying values and needs you either have to have or perceive to need as why you find yourself in the reality that you do. The focus is frequently entirely outside. Does that make sense? I feel like that's pretty, like we're always like look, focusing on results. Like Why? I need more money. I need, I need to find love. I need blah, blah, blah. But we all have that inner relationship. It doesn't go away simply because it's not focused on. Unfortunately, it is merely projected unconsciously. The universe has a way of throwing you back within yourself if the balance of inner and outer becomes too distorted. I think that the nature of our outer relationships can reflect this. Help us to recognize unconscious assumptions about ourselves. This is profoundly how the outer reflects the inner. I loved that Mm. quote. I was like, whoa, take a bite of that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is about, let me, I'm trying to like process this and make sure I'm understanding. Looking inward to examine like how you are viewing yourself underneath it all like what is your own belief about yourself and that is what is creating these circumstances that you that you find yourself in yes and I think it's poking holes in kind of the quick fluffy like manifesting this and and the idea that like well if I just do this then like the right person will show up if I think hard enough about this or if I like say these daily affirmations which I'm not knocking that because I think there is some benefit to having positive, you know, positive thinking or whatever, but Mm. that the real, what's really underneath that is take a quick look at, you know, if if you're not in the relationship you want to be in, like, look at your freaking self, right? Right, right. And it's not saying that like, it's your fault because it may not be, but it might be that you are, it's like, what are you not, what, what part of you is unworthy 
or, or do you feel as unworthy is how I should say it right. um, rather of, of having what it is that you want because the having of what it is that you want is the result mm-hmm. of the being, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's not your fault. It is your responsibility though. Well, I, again, it's just, it's all an invitation to learn mm-hmm. and to explore. And I think what I'm discovering, and I, you know, I'm not an expert in this evolutionary astrology way of thinking. I'm just, I'm learning along with everybody else, but I, I really think it's more about understanding the process and the flow of life. I think this is what the whole natural law part of it is, is, is really looking at when things aren't working for me, let's really look at the why instead of the, how can I change it? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, because when you look at the why, then you'll know how to change it. Like when you look at all these things, like that's, that's the light that needs to be shined. And once the hidden part is, is in the light of your awareness, you can actually Mm -hmm. work with it. Whereas before this is just all like, you can't even do anything with it because you don't know about it. Right. So, you know, like in the quote, it says the focus is frequently entirely outside, but we all have that inner relationship and it doesn't go away because it's not focused on. So it's just projected unconsciously. So if we have those, if we have that negative relationship with ourself and we're not, let's say we're like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm not going to worry about that today. I'm just going to, you know, numb out or whatever it is that I'm doing. It, it, you're still projecting that state of being. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Anyway. Yeah. Interesting. So again, the need is to learn to identify what our specific needs are within relationships and to meet those from within ourselves in order to attract relationships that are balanced, equal, and based on mutual independence. Mm. Amen. Amen. Right? So there you go. And with that, I want to just, we have a couple more points here that I wanted to talk about Pluto and Taurus. So this is going to talk about, we're going to talk about the survival instinct and the sexual nature. So the tendency for Taurus is to over isolate and to get cut off from the greater life to stay content in their own small space that gives them the sense of control of controlling a piece of life. So the sense of survival can lead to kind of hoarding or accumulating stuff. This is a tendency for people for, for Taurus, right? That, that we, it's like they're very centrally oriented and fulfilling life, money, possessions, fancy homes. But sometimes people who haven't learned to sustain this for themselves are good at finding ways for others to provide it for them, maybe marrying into money or house sitting for the wealthy or associating with wealthy people so they can provide rich experiences for them. And they can be sexually or emotionally manipulative, manipulative to get what they want. And the polarity point in um, Scorpio, they say that these, there are these polarity points, but this will shake them out of the isolation and provide confrontations that will reveal the limits in their value system. So those with wealth, if this is something that they've bought into, and I'm not saying every Taurus is like every person that has Taurus in their chart is like this, but those with wealth might discover that the material abundance does not necessarily equate with happiness or a sense of security. And maybe those who have lived beyond their means will receive a financial shock or their personal limitations could be confronted. And so it also means that this eight house, this is another Pluto portion that if you if you have a polarity point in the eighth house of Scorpio, it means that there's a major metamorphosis about to take place. And by opening up, because Taurus is apparently fairly, they tend to change fairly slowly. 
but it creates the possibility for cataclysmic change because they aren't flighty. They're grounded, right? These are people that Mm -hmm. this is earth. This is earth sign. So when, when the earth moves, it's cataclysmic, right? If there's an earthquake that's big enough, I mean, it can completely change the face of a landscape forever, right? Mm-hmm. Or valleys become mountains. Mountains can be torn apart by glaciers, right? So when they are open to transforming, it can be cataclysmic change. And then when they open up and begin to learn their lessons, they can be very good at helping others and their limitations and be of service through this process. Oh. Yeah, this is reminding me of the bottom two chakras. Because mm-hmm. it sounds like you're saying the underlying drive for Taurus is this sense of safety and right. survival. Right, first chakra, right? But then they have all the Venus, the focus on beauty and sexuality and all of that stuff. But in those places down there, like that is where the whole Kundalini energy right. serpent is living, right? So when that gets transformed and released, like up through the lessons of this Taurus area, like it is big, it is this cataclysmic thing, like you were saying, and can continue onward and upward through the wheel. I love that insight, Amy. I, that's exactly, that's exactly right. That, that makes me that, that I love the visual of that, where you talk about it's, it's basically first and second chakra. So if you're familiar with the chakra system, I have one more thing to read that I found. This is a calendar that my stepmom bought me this year, and I love it. It's such a fun one. It's called uh, We Moon. It's spelled W-E apostrophe M-O-O-N, and it's Gaia Rhythms for Women. It's a calendar, and they have all these cool little excerpts from different astrologers or poetry, and it's just really cool stuff. So this is for the collective Taurus which is from April 20th to May 21st. And it's by Rhea Wolf. And it says, Taurus, you dependable, stubborn beauty. It's time to unleash the ox from its yoke and let the beast go wild. Uranus moved into your sign, unleashes a surge of unexpected energy through 2019. If you ignore the signs, this year could knock you for a loop by learning how to ride the waves of chaos. You'll transform discord into synchronicity. This year, unusual people might enter your life or you may try a new identity. Take in the messages without getting hooked on the messengers. Your Achilles heel is attachment, but the universe wants you to keep changing for the next few years. These unusual relationships and strange inclinations are here to burn away stuck places inside of you. At the same time, it will be important for you to hold on to spiritual practices that make you feel secure. Uh, Saturn suggests that daily devotions or traditional prayers will keep you grounded even as pandemonium reigns. I totally have been feeling that this month. (laughs) I feel like that's the one theme that keeps coming through that just just maintain the spiritual practice and maintain the devotion and that as long as I do that, then everything else falls into place, at least for now. Sometimes that isn't the case, but for right now, that is the energy that I feel like I'm living in. So Jupiter provokes a shift in consciousness by revealing hidden places deep inside of you, including painful wounds from the past, release any energy bound up in grudges or resentment, opportunities to speak your truth. Even the truth that scares you will occur with the eclipses in January and July. During the summer months, practice empathic responses to situations and consider joining a support group, healing your sexual side, or bringing more mysticism into your life. Your revolutionary heart ignites when you get out of your comfort zone. I love the part where she said to burn away the stuck places. Like that's that's the whole process is like to un 
stick yourself from the yes. sticky limiting beliefs and thoughts and weird circumstances that we like get ourselves into. So yes. anyways, yeah, I like that. Thank you. And so hopefully for our listeners, if you start with Aries, you know, we're going to try to weave these themes through for the full Zodiac. And well, I guess you could go all the way back to Capricorn, but yeah, the Aries started. is the Aries is the new year. And so this way you can kind of take a snapshot, learn how we interact with the cosmos, what they all mean, what these archetypes mean. And if it doesn't resonate with you, you can just leave it by the wayside. <laughs> yeah. Take what you want and leave what you don't. Amy, do we have a challenge for them? We do. Yes. This week, sometime, just find a little corner of your house or your yard or somewhere out in nature and just go like sit for a second for one minute, five minutes, however much time you can spare and take your breaths and, and let your mind kind of be still and settle down just like that apple juice. I would recommend doing it out, honor the whole Taurus earth energy, do it outside. And especially if hopefully everyone is getting some beautiful weather. Take a moment to marvel at nature. That's what yeah. I've been doing. I've done, I mean, we're in California, so I feel like we're kind of ahead on the spring train from a lot of places where things are blooming and have been blooming for about a month now. But I went out to my backyard and I have an orange tree. And the mm. first year we were here, we only had like three oranges. And then last year or this, this last, this most recent year, we had a bunch and I just went out to take a look at the blossoms and there's so many little baby oranges. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to have so many oranges from our tree this year. I'm so excited. And it just made me think about how just this, the, how miraculous it is that trees produce fruit. <laughs> just, yeah. just something as simple as that. I was like, wow, it really does make me happy to marvel at, at, at the details, at the, the things that I've often overlooked in my life, just taken for granted. Like the fact that fruit is, you know, possible. The fact that we can even have fruit on the planet. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. And it's only through that, like, s slowed down restful state where we're not just like, rushing to and fro, you know, that we can like have a second to have realizations like that. Yes. Yes. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Before we part, we'd like to say thanks for listening. And we hope you'll connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We would love to hear from you and appreciate all feedback, shares, and likes. To learn more and subscribe to our newsletter, visit intentionists.com. And no matter where you are or what you're creating, we send you love and invite you to breathe and begin. See you next week.